Welcome back to the Big Mark Podcast. It's me, your host, Big Mark. Uh, if it's your first time listening, welcome. If not, welcome back. Um, you know, if you've uh, if you've heard us before, we always love to say, you know, if you want to support the podcast, go check us out at our Patreon, patreon.com slash the Big Mark Pod. Uh, you can also get a hold of us um, uh, or comment or, you know, let us know if you want to hear a new topic for a show um, on our Twitter or Instagram at the Big Mark Pod and at the Big Mark Podcast. And yeah, you know, like I said, you know, if you if you do have any ideas, we'd love to hear from you. You know, um, our our uh, one of our good buddies, uh, Matt Nor um, Matt Norman and Mike Norman, you know, have both kind of reached out, and and you know, it's uh, it's it's great to hear ideas from them, and you know, again, it's um, it's always good to hear from everyone who listens, and I'm always kind of surprised on who's who's listening too because. I kind of get some of the feedback or whatever to see how many people are listening to the podcast and all that good stuff, but I don't always get to see exactly who. So it's always a little bit of a surprise to see who's actually listening. And and um, yeah, like I said, you know, shout out to everyone all over the world who's been listening. And um, you know, I'm really uh, I'm really grateful for everyone who's been listening. And uh, it's been a really exciting uh, journey and so far. And you know. I just love love to keep doing these, um, and of course, you know, just me and you today. So I thought I would pick a cool topic that you know, honestly, a lot of people have been talking about it. It's kind of resurging a little bit in uh, in the zeitgeist, if you will. Um, uh, I, I want to talk about The Sopranos. It's actually one of my favorite shows of all time. I'm so sorry, Scott Barker, um, but The Sopranos is one of my favorite shows of all time. If you knew me. Uh, when I go up to my buddy's cottage, my buddy Alan, uh, shout out Alan. Um, I won't mention your last name cause I don't know if you, if, if that's, if that's even allowed, I won't even go into any more of that, but anyway, shout out big Al. We always just go off with Sopranos quotes and just annoys the hell out of everybody else because none of our other friends are really into the show and it just doesn't make any sense and I'll get into why it's probably really annoying. The show, especially the dialogue, can be like extremely real and extremely, I don't know. I don't even know if poignant's the word, but but the way the dialogue is 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 so um, so realistic that when you do end up quoting it, it always sounds strange. Sounds like you're just saying it, and then people aren't really understanding, and then you have to tell them it's a quote. Anyway. This is why it's annoying. But one of my favorite shows of all time, I've always suggested it as a great show. And I think, you know, because of quarantine, a lot of people have kind of gone back to it and gone back to watch it. And, you know, it was it was on in the in the late uh, it's it, actually late nine in the late 90s. Its original air date was January 10th, 1999. It was on HBO. So not everyone had HBO. So. It was only as accessible as it kind of could be at the time. Obviously, you had to pay for it. Now, you still have to kind of pay for certain streaming services, but it's a little bit more common for people to just have access to them, especially with, like, 
the larger services like Crave and all of them that have all these different uh, types of shows um, available. Uh, it was on for six seasons, so it went till January uh, till June tenth, two thousand seven. Um, obviously, during that time, you know, like nine eleven happened. Um, so it was like a super. Since since that point, there was a major kind of shift in Western culture, especially American culture, especially culture around New York City, which is where The Sopranos is kind of based in a lot in New Jersey. Um, mostly in New Jersey, but in that surrounding area around New York City, it just became such a different world after 9-11. The show reflects that in, in, in an interesting way. Obviously, it's really it's it's pretty old now, right? Um, you know, over, o- over 22 years ago, it, it aired, and, um, you know, it's only been, it's only been about 14 years since, um, since it's been off the air, or sorry, it's been 14 years, like not just 14 years, but it's since it's been off the air. And it's like, you know, um, very interesting in the fact that when you watch it again, and when I've, I've gone to rewatch it, I've rewatched it over the last year or so, it, it's not as dated. Yeah, you kind of see different phones, like no one has like, has like smartphones and stuff, but like none of the dialogue is like overly dated. Some of the songs, and again, some of the costume is a little bit weird, but it's still so interesting, and the writing is phenomenal. You'll hear me talk about this a lot, this podcast, but the writing is just tremendous. Very, very real. Again, um, the producers of the show, especially David Chase, who's the who, who kind of created the show, is he's the writer and producer of the show. Um, one of the head writers I say took was meticulous in making sure that the show was was um, real and accurate, and just had that certain feel to it. It's it's, it's really re- did really really well. So a little bit more about David Chase. Before The Sopranos, he was kind of known for the Rockford Files. He wasn't like extremely popular um, in TV, in TV or in Hollywood, for that matter. Um, Chase, his last name, the family name, used to be DeCesare. And my grade, oh my gosh, I think uh, no, senior kindergarten teacher was Miss DeCesare. Shut up, Miss DeCesare. Um, so they changed that to Chase. And again, obviously, a, a American Italian family. He, he kind of lived this life. A lot of the stuff that's in the Sopranos, he had taken from his own life, and of course, other mob stuff, and you know, and 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 things like that. Um, actually, J- David Chase's daughter actually plays Hunter Scangarella in the in the um, show. She's Meadow, who's uh, Tony Soprano's daughter's friend in the show. Um, and, uh, in some of the scenes, uh, Carmela Soprano, Tony's wife refers to her as cacciatore, which in Italian means hunter. So like chicken cacciatore is like hunter's chicken or whatever. So if anyone was ever wondering what, why Carmela would call hunter cacciatore, it's because that's what it means in Italian. Funny enough. So... I don't want to go necessarily too, too far in the nitty gritty of the show. It's going to obviously come up what, how the show actually worked. You know, again, mob boss, life, going to therapy, family, dealing with all that stuff. 
And I don't really want to go too far into all the different actors because there's so many tremendous actors and so many great characters and all that stuff. But I'd be remiss to not talk about Tony Soprano, obviously, and the man who played him, James Gandolfini. Um, uh, tremendous actor. Was in... Um, was in a few movies, a handful of movies and TV shows before before being on The Sopranos, but you know came from a strong acting background. Actually went to Rutgers and got his Bachelor of Arts in acting at at Rutgers Acting School. Um, when when you see a show or movie or whatever, and you see an actor play a role that he whether they are acting so well or however the casting went that they just picked the perfect person there's a moment where you kind of forget that they're acting anymore and that they are this character and in not in there's not too many other circumstances either in this case that Tony Soprano Tony Soprano and James Gandolfini were the perfect match um from reports, obviously, you know, seeing um, director's cuts or whatever, um, interviews or like special features or stuff like that. Anybody who talks about James Gandolfini says he was the, one of the nicest people ever. And it's really odd. And I guess it happens a lot. Some people who play like really horrible people on TV. Or, or in movies tend to be really nice people in real life. But again, just the uh, the acting ability that James Gandolfini had and what he was able to do with the character of, of Tony Soprano was just the perfect match. And you couldn't ask for more. Um, um, some, of the mo- some of the movies he was in before Sopranos was True Romance, Crimson Tide, Get Shorty. And he kind of always played... A big tough guy or like a, an enforcer or some kind of thing like that so he had a little bit of of um experience doing that but again this this character just was perfect for him and again the character of tony soprano is on the outside of course this you know mobster you know tough guy um with with anger issues and you know Meanwhile, on the inside, he's conflicted about a lot of stuff. He had a lot of things happen in his childhood. Um, you know, he's dealing with his family at home. He's dealing with his family at work with the, with uh, with organized crime. You know, obviously the threat of jail, the threat of all these different things looming um, at all times. And, you know, still an anti-hero, though, which is really interesting in the fact that um not too many times in 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 movie history or in TV history at this point did the, did the main character have so many villainous traits um and you know again James Gandolfini and in, in in his in his choices as Tony Soprano just turned out to be the perfect match and um unfortunately you know I mean Jim James Gandolfini was able to finish off his uh, the series as Tony Soprano but shortly died uh, in two, died thereafter in, in 2013 he died of a heart attack sadly um, 
um, I read in my research, actually his 14 year old son, Michael actually found him unconscious and then had to call paramedics and terrible story. Some of the stuff in the research, you know, kind of sucks, but, um, but a little bit more about the show, um, including James Gandolfini, like, of course, like I said, he did a few movies before then, but a, a lot of the other characters and in the, in the, in, actors that were cast in the show weren't particularly particularly famous. Um, I think that was a choice by David Chase to not go with a lot of, you know, really noteworthy actors, of course, really talented actors, but then also actors that actually had some ex- experience, whether in real life with with organized crime or in other movies, a lot of cast were from the good were from Goodfellas, The Godfather, Casino, etc., etc. Which and and I'm talking like you know recurring characters that were on on the show a lot were in these movies, and it's really interesting because they reference these movies all the time. They talk about watching them. It happened in in Suits too. Um, there's a character from The Wire that's all that's also in Suits. And they also they always reference the wire in suits, and no one ever talks about the fact that dude's father-in-law was was like a main character in the show. So anyway, I guess there's a small world in Hollywood, so what can you do? But um, like I said, a lot of these characters did kind of come from some type of interesting experience in the past, which which again, David Chase, as you'll find, I'll talk about it more. He was just meticulous in finding these people and, you know, they went through a lot of different casting choices and made sure that, you know, they picked the right people and the fact that he wanted a really, really good representation of what these people, of of this, this side of life. And I guess any filmmaker, any TV, any t- uh, TV creator, you're going to try to represent a slice of life in that sense where you're trying to um, to portray this aspect that's that as is as real as possible without being necessarily too random that it's boring and still drive a narrative, but have all these elements added to it that it's believable and immersive in that sense. Um, one of the one of the great um uh, podcasts right now that I've been listening to is called Talking Sopranos. Uh, with Steve Shripper and Mike Imperioli. These guys are actually both actors from the show. Steve Shripper playing Bobby Bacala and Michael Imperioli playing uh, Christopher Moltisanti. And big characters in the show. And they both they both sit there, have a podcast, and they started it during uh, COVID. And they literally, they go through every episode. And as of today, when I'm recording this podcast, anyway, um, they haven't gone through all the episodes yet. Uh, of the Sopranos and they have guests on. So, you know, if you guys like the Sopranos, go check them out. It's a great podcast. Um, but it can, but you know, Steve and Michael have really good insight, background information, you know, kind of unknown stuff. And obviously a lot of like acting inside acting chops, um, um, like kind of, um, interesting perspectives so to speak coming from Michael and Steve being actually on the show and being directed by some of these people and again talking to fellow cast members and also crew people from the crew too casting directors directors um you know the the costume specialists things like that right so it's really cool and again you know 
um, both both these guys, Michael Imperioli and, and Steve Strippa, had a little bit of this the same kind of idea. They were both kind of in mobster movies here and there. Michael Imperioli was Spider in uh, in Goodfellas, and then um, they get this big opportunity on Sopranos, and it's huge. And it's funny because you kind of get used to these characters on the show, and then you know it's silly to think like obviously these these are just actors; they're not really who they are. But when you see them um, in this podcast, like Michael couldn't be further from who Chrissy is, and Steve Shrippa sounds very different than Bobby Bacala. And if Steve could ever hear this, oh, I, I know you're listening anyway. If Steve could hear this, he would he would agree that. He probably wouldn't want to be like Bobby Bacala because Bobby was a little bit dumb. But God bless him anyway. You know what? These characters are so lovable that you feel like you know who they are. And it's interesting, you know. Um, I think growing up where I grew up here in Hamilton, it's a very Italian town. And one of my buddies, Nathan Carancy, shout out Nate if you're listening, um, asked me once if I was Italian because, you know, you go away to school, especially playing on the football team, you're talking with everybody. And I said, he asked me if I was Italian. I said, no, but I'm from Hamilton, so I might as well be. And just a lot of my friends were Italian. Um, uh, I, I dated a girl back in high school whose family was extremely Italian. And it was, you know, in my mind, coming from Polish Eastern European background, it's uh, it was it was an interesting look into things. In my mind, I look back and look at her family like as if they were Sopranos. Obviously, they weren't, not even close. But um, just again, you know, the culture, the hand gestures, the food, everything, you know, um, is is um, I'd say perfectly represented in the show. And, you know, being at the East Coast, obviously Hamilton isn't, you know, East Coast Canada, but it still has that kind of East Coast vibe being on the water. You know, we're 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 eight hours, but, you know, not that far away from New York State even. And, you know, it's eight hours from New York City. And, you know, it's like there's there's a weird connection there. Obviously, the area is very romanticized. And, but again, you know, Hamilton has a big mob history as well. So it's very interesting again, how, um, how, how the Sopranos really captured that, um, Italian American experience, but that's extremely, extremely similar to the Italian Canadian experience too, which is just tremendous. Um, uh, I was doing a little research into the talking Sopranos and they talk about this in their first episode too. But uh, in that podcast I mentioned, Talking Sopranos, they were also inspired to start it because of all the people watching and re-watching during quarantine. Um, I say re-watching because like myself, I've seen it before and, you know, I like... It's an interesting thing about re-watching shows where, um, you know, I feel like some people might necess- might feel like it's tiresome or it's repetitive, but you always end up seeing something different and... Shout out Brian Callen. He said one of the greatest quotes that he quoted from an acting coach. If you don't like a show or a TV or a, a movie that you've watched, watch it again and then decide. Because the, if, you, if you've only watched something once, you don't really get the opportunity to um, 
to give it its full potential because maybe you had some type, maybe you brought something to the experience that might have affected it. But if you watch it again, you really don't like it, then at least you gave it its shot. But I've rewatched things on the second time through and liked it a lot better. I've had every experience for that matter, but you know, I've more than a couple times rewatched a few shows here and there. And Sopranos is definitely on that list as far as, um, you know, rewatchability. But, you know, being being 2021 and the show came out in 1999, a lot of people were too young to watch it when the show came out, right? So with all these stream with all these streaming services, it's really given kids and and younger adults like an opportunity to watch this show for the first time. And again, it's funny because my first time, my first time with it, like I, like I mentioned, you know, um, I, I I dated a girl back in high school. Her family was very Italian, and it unfortunately the relationship didn't end very well. So it was a little bit of a sore spot for me as far as when I watched the the first season for the first time. In fact, the first episode for the first time, and this was short shortly after because I think it was back in. It was back in university when my friend Brian Armstrong, shout out B-Rye, uh, told me about The Sopranos. He said, man, you got to watch it. It's tremendous. Blah, blah, blah. I talked about it. And I've, I had obviously heard about it. It was all, you know, I graduated in 2009. So it wasn't like it had it had been around. I think it, well, technically it was already done. And it was no longer airing on TV anymore. It would, by the time I saw it was, I think, 2010 or, or 11 by the time I watched it for the first time. So it was already off air for about three, four years. And my buddy B-Rai convinced me to watch it. I watch it. And I had broken up with this girl at the end of high school. And it was still first year when I watched it. And it was just so close to home. I was just breaking my heart to watch it. And it was just too real. I was like, man, I told, my, I told B-Rai, I was like, man. I don't need to watch this show because I lived it, bro. So it took me a while to actually warm up to it and finally watch it again, which is so weird. But once I got over that, it was just so perfect. Like I said, they just nailed everything. And that's what got me. That's what freaked me out the first time is it's so realistic and it's so interesting. They get the little eccentricities. Again, the hand gestures, the the culture. Um, there's so much food in the show. It's funny, Carmela uh, Soprano, played by Edie Falco in the show. Edie Falco does not know how to cook, but Carmela Soprano is constantly cooking, almost cooking in every scene that she's in. So uh, a lot of times they had to kind of come up with creative ways to make it look like she knew what she was actually doing. Uh, she said a lot of the shots are from kind of elbow up, so she can just like pretend what she's doing with her hands. Um but again, really, really interesting in the sense that um, there, there's this almost Scarface level of infamy with the show, and I and I had heard about it, and I knew about it. And there's posters everywhere at the poster sale um, at school. If you're listening and and don't know post a poster sale, like I'm sure you can deduce what it means. But every I think a couple times a year. Um, uh, at, at, at my university, they would like clear out this big space in the community center and, um, and sell, sell posters because kids love to put posters up, you know, in there and decorate their, uh, their, uh, student houses and shit. And, um, you know, you'd see Sopranos posters everywhere with the R as a gun. And I always thought it was like a little bit corny. I'm like, whatever. It's kind of like Scarface. It's kind of like all these 
you know, infamous, infamous shows. But again, they're infamous for a reason. And I think, again, the show was groundbreaking in the sense that it brought you this anti-hero that was somewhat of a villain that you end up cheering for and you end up rooting for and he's doing all this terrible shit and he's cheating on his wife and he's fucking over, he's killing people and killing people close to him and and um, breaking all these rules and breaking the law, but you just, you, you're entranced. And, and I think, again, that's a lot to do with James Gandolfini's acting skills, but it's also a lot to do with... Um, with the writing and the fact that I think we have this innate kind of want to feel like we have a connection and it's a cathartic relationship watching Tony do a lot of the stuff he does too, which is really interesting. Um, a little bit more about the show. Um, you know, the writing on it is so good and it's funny in, in you know, you kind of get into different shows, obviously, as you go on, and maybe some are influenced by others, and maybe some have connections that you never would have thought, but, um, you know, one of my other favorite shows is Mad Men. I love watching Mad Men. You know, it's one of those slow burn shows that, you know, it's a little bit polarizing. Some people aren't aren't, aren't so big on it, but um, one of the producers, Matthew Weiner, and he actually writes a lot on it on both show on the on Mad Men and The Sopranos. He's produced both shows, and it's really interesting to see again both both characters. You know, your Don Draper, your Tony Soprano. Very interesting. Um, their connection there. They're very very similar. You know, handsome dudes. You know, with with their with their life all worked out perfectly but there's they still want more they still crave more um you know even uh and and still kind of someone you wouldn't wouldn't actually want to be because they do dastardly shit but it's like there's something there's something in them that just makes you want to keep watching i guess at least just to keep watching another anti-hero obviously walter white from breaking bad right so but Sopranos was the first to really introduce this anti-hero idea, this villain as the main character. Seems like a little bit of an older trope now, but this was this was one of the first time it really came through. It was in movies and stuff, of course, but in literature. But of course, you know, just really primetime TV too. And the, and you know, it is HBO. I wanted to mention HBO was very different. It wasn't just cable. It wasn't just primetime TV. This was something really special. It allowed directors and writers to kind of go off and do other things that they wouldn't normally be able to do in regular TV. Um, another groundbreaking aspect of the show was that uh, Tony actually went to go see a therapist and they showed a lot of the therapy sessions. Um, Dr. Melfi, who is Tony's um, Tony's therapist, played, played by Lorraine Bracco, she's also from Goodfellas, uh, ha they have many scenes together, and and really, uh, Tony's the only person that Dr. Melfi really sees from like that main kind of mob crew. But um, it's and it's not really analyze this, analyze that kind of thing. It's not it's it's not just you know blubbering kind of. It's very interesting, deep conversation. And Lorraine Bracco, 
the actress who played who played Dr. Melfi said that she she took some of her inspiration from real psychotherapists that she's had, and you know I think she they the show won awards from psychotherapy associations because uh, such an accurate. Uh, d- um, display of of psycho psychoanalysis, and again, this is still early two thousands, where where <sighs> therapy, and still to this day, therapy is still stigmatized, right? So, you know, a big, strong, tough, you know, brutish guy um, has to go start to see this this uh, this analyst and start to really pick away at, at what kind of made him who he, who he really is. Was it was fascinating to people and still is to this day. Um, one of the one of the truly fascinating aspects of that is that I see, you know, as as someone who studies psychology, they mentioned during the show because it turns it turns out as the show goes on to that Tony is is a sociopath, right? You know, a lot of these people who are in organized crimes, they're sociopathic, like by by definition, they don't follow the rules of normal society, but a lot of them go further than that, and, and it's pathological. But one of the one of the aspects that's brought up during the show is is that sociopaths actually hone their skills in therapy. So they actually go into therapy to to strengthen their their interpersonal skills, which socio- sociopaths choose, and and it's all very strategic in how they interact with with others, and they and they see that this is just one more manipulation that if they can convince a therapist. Than they can convince anyone, which is just a just an amazing kind of brooding undertone. Which again, on a rewatch, and you know this when you rewatch the show, just this brooding undertone, which is just tremendous. Um, uh, one of the cool things is kind of outside the world of the Sopran- uh outside of the TV show, The Sopranos, but still in the world of The Sopranos, I should say, is the Many Saints of Newark. It's a new a new movie coming out. I don't know if anyone's checked it out yet. It's been in the works forever. COVID kind of like has postponed the 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 date for it tons of times. Shout out Joey Diaz. He's gonna be in it. Um, but it's a prequel to the to the Soprano show. And it actually surrounds um, the story of Dickie Moltisanti, which is Christopher Moltisanti's father, who they mention a lot in the show. Dickie Moltisanti was actually Tony's kind of like mentor growing up. Um, Moltisanti in Italian actually means many saints. So many saints of Newark, Moltisanti is of New York. Um, Michael Gandolfini, uh, James Gandolfini's son, is actually playing a young Tony Soprano, which is going to be really interesting, super cool to see. You know, again, David Chase is a part of this, so it's not going to be half-assed. He's not going to do anything that's not going to be tr- true to the Sopranos and the Sopranos lore. It's going to be really fascinating. You know, I actually heard in in Talking Sopranos, actually in the podcast, they mentioned that David Chase first wanted The Sopranos to be a movie. You know, he thought he the idea first came to him as a movie, but clearly it worked as a show. So he should know how to write a movie, and I think we're all looking forward to that for sure. Um, but, you know, kind of in conclusion, I think, again, the thing that I love about the show is, and I think many people do, is of course Tony. You know, Tony Soprano being this man who kind of lives two lives. He has these two families, his crime family, his family at home. I mean, you can even count the third as his Gumar. He's got he's got side pieces here and there, but he's constantly trying to juggle this, and it's it's 
it's a mirror into into I think sometimes the chaos that exists in our own lives. And I think that, you know, like Stolzhnitzen said, you know, the line between good and evil um, doesn't run between countries. It runs between the heart of every man. And I think that when we see these these characters in literature and in movies and television, we see this reflection and we we it's a little bit like I talked about in the last podcast on on in in about pro wrestling about K, that idea about kayfabe, where there's a suspension of disbelief that we are actually separate, but that reflection there actually shows that hey i am you and you are me and there's something there and there's that catharsis that happens when you get to see tony do all this wild shit but it's something that you know is unacceptable a lot of the stuff that tony soprano does is unacceptable by society and but we like to see that it's it's a it's a vicarious thrill to watch tony do this again um we simultaneously approve and enjoy, or sorry, simultaneously disapprove and enjoy Tony's life. And I think it's, you know, it's, it's, it's what we do as humans, right? We, we want to watch this and we want to, we want to see what happens when safely, when, when we make different choices, right? And a lot of people want to make good choices and want to go down the righteous path and not stray and not break the law and stuff. So, they make TV shows and they make movies like this just to give us a little bit of that break. But, you know, again, it's almost like a car crash, right? Everything that Tony does is abhorrent, but we really just, we can't look away. And, you know, it's something that that I think people don't always explore that one, that side of them, that little bit darkness, that shadow is maybe, as Carl Jung would call, the, would call it. But, you know, um, if you really look into these shows, that's what that's what they want you to that's what they want you to explore. That, you know, we're not we're not far away from someone like Tony Soprano. Actually, we are that same person. We are all connected. But, you know, don't don't forget that and the fact that, you know, we have the ability to, just like Tony, you know, create a life that we want and do our thing. But yet, at the same time, we also have the ability to make the wrong choices and go down a darker path. And at the same time, we can take the lighter path and continue on. But there's balance to everything, and we can ne- and we can never, you know, we can never have light without dark. And we need to and we need to give our attention to it in in the sense and and nod to it. Don't give a lot of credence and a lot of power into that darkness, but know that that it's there just as well as the light is. And it's not necessarily evil or bad, but in the sense that you need to, you know, explore that. Don't be afraid of it. It's part of you. It's part of all of us. But it will only strengthen the lighter parts. It will only make things better. And again, you know, this is TV. This is this is art. This is people's expression of the inner of the inner mind. And when you can see this in a TV show, when things like this do happen, it becomes amazing. And again, it's a tremendous show. One of my favorites of all time. The characters, not only Tony Soprano, but so many, explore these different aspects of life. And there's love and there's tension. And there's there's 
you know, small little bits of life that you would never think someone would put into a TV show, but they do. And it's a little bit of a slow burn to start, but if you if you want to get into it, start watching it. It's available in, in a lot of different places. I want to hear from you. If you guys have never watched it, shout us out. Let us know that you're watching. Um, it's, it's a great, great show. Um, there's nothing really else that makes you feel, you know, that kind of connection to a character once you're once you're finished watching that show and it has a really interesting ending that's very controversial i didn't even want to get into it today but maybe someday we might revisit things but again like i said it's a perfect time to rewatch it get back into it people are getting into it jump in with jump in the way with with uh with two feet make sure you're not wearing cement shoes uh unbelievable show um and uh again go check it out uh, if you uh, if you'd liked what you heard today, please rate the podcast. Uh, reach out to us if uh, if you want to hear anything different. If you got any comments about anything, if you, I want to hear about some of your guys' favorite characters, um, you know, support the podcast. patreoncom slash big Mark Podcast. Uh, shout us out. Um, Twitter, Instagram at the Big Mark Podcast. Again, we love you. Thank you so much for listening. Um, I can't wait to do another episode for you guys. And um, again, go out there and get some gabagool. Huh? Hey.